We believe the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a restoration of the original Church established by Jesus Christ, which was built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We declare to the world that the fullness of the gospel has been restored to the earth. We declare with boldness that the keys of the priesthood have been restored to man. We declare to the world that this is the day referred to by biblical prophets as the latter days. It is the final time before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to rule and reign on the earth. So, starting with Doctrine and Covenants 109 through 110, we have the dedicatory prayer for the Kirtland Temple in 109. And then in 110, we have uh, some of the visions that they experienced inside of the Kirtland Temple after it was dedicated. And it's interesting because, you know, as I'm reading through it in 109, they're kind of stating a lot of the promises that the Lord has given in the past, even quoting like past scripture and stuff about how the Lord asked them to establish a house of order, that their incomings may be in the name of the Lord, that their outgoings may be in the name of the Lord. And he's saying in the prayer, you know, this is what we've done. This is what you've asked. This is what we've done. These are the things you've promised, and please bless us with those things now. I've read a few other dedicatory prayers in the past, and and I it's kind of similar where it's like, here's here's why we've done this and we've done this as we've done it before with other temples and things like that uh, but this one i don't know it kind of number one it kind of struck me as a good outline for the way that we should ask for things in prayer you know when we go to ask the lord for something when we go to ask for a specific blessing uh the good the best way to go about it is to say you know here's here's the understanding that i have of what the expectations that the lord has of me Here's what I've done about it. Here's the the thinking, pondering, studying, praying, whatever I've done about it. And now here's what I need to kind of show the Lord, you know, I I understand what you expect of me. Here's what I've done. He already knows, but kind of outlining, you know, here's here's what I've been trying to do. Here's what I've taken into consideration. And this is the blessing that I'm after. And, you know, we start to see that a lot of the blessings about the growth and the understanding and the strengthening of testimonies that people experienced because of the presence of the temple and the ability to do some of the ordinances inside. It it definitely contributed to the growth and development of the church at this time. And so I, I just think it's kind of a a clear example of when, how the Lord blesses us when we do the right things. I, I had two thoughts. One <laughs> was... Um, that this prayer is maybe also uh, symbolic of our prayers, where we ask for things we we're and we're to strive to have the spirit when we pray, so we know to ask for correct things. And what right. Is right. And it's interesting to me that this is the Kirtland prayer, and all of the things they ask that are pretty in the forefront i would think that they would be very much in the forefront of their mind like hey uh, prepare a needful thing uh don't let any unclean thing happen here uh no weapon that shall be formed against thy saints that wickedness should have no power uh 
to, to, to have mercy on our people. And it even goes into talks about being driven away. They've been driven away uh, and then let thy arm protect us. Um, you know, but this temple gets taken over and gets burnt, I think. Right. And they get driven away. And they and it's funny because well, it's not funny, but it's interesting because you could argue this prayer, what happened? You know, why would the temple, like the house of the Lord, like uh, was it? And you could think to yourself, was it our own worthiness as a people? Was it the wrong thing to say? Uh, was it the Lord just didn't want us to have here after being commanded to build this temple? You know, I, I, I could see it as a very big test. But I would say that all of these things have come to pass in the temples of the world now, you know. Um, and so maybe it's a matter of timing and understanding that sometimes when we pray, we may pray for the correct thing, but the timing isn't right now, you know, or there's more to it. Or, or and, and so the saints had to build this temple, then the Nauvoo temple, and then all the way to what, the St. George, the Logan, the Salt Lake temple, you know, and then these places are a refuge, you know, and not to say that the Kirtland Temple didn't um, serve a purpose. It served a huge purpose. One of the greatest purposes was the Lord was able to come to that temple and then all of the holy prophets were able to come and the keys, the full keys of the priesthood were able to be restored. That alone would be worth the building a temple and then having it destroyed and being sent away, <laughs> right? But just like, I don't know, I look at our day and because I think a lot about prayer, I think it's so important to pray. But how does it work? How how it's not an order, it's not a drive-through order service, and it's also something to change our hearts and change our minds. It's a way of organizing ourselves and organizing our thoughts. And sometimes I even look at it as a way of like a therapy, you know, like being able to really get like through prayer, I've gotten to know myself more and gotten to know what creates anxiety in me, you know. And so maybe maybe I'm just looking at this way too differently. But I really like this prayer. I think it has a lot of I, I almost like a poetry where they're moved by the spirit, you know, to ask for things and to and to plead with the Lord and to bless and consecrate this action and the, the sacrifice that the saints did, knowing that to the Lord, victory was that they sacrificed and did it. To the third party person standing outside looking at the situation may say, yeah, but your temple just got destroyed. Right. You know, and so it kind of it kind of depends what your perspective and what your where your heart is, you know. Because like I said, you know, having the restoration of the keys of the gathering of Israel, of the sealing power, you know, of, of the gathering of the lost tribes, or the, maybe that's the gathering of Israel. Um, but all those things that occur are very, very important for the church. Well, I think that there's there's a few things that happen with it, with the catastrophe of losing the temple, right? Number one, I think having them build it in the first place, it's not like the Lord didn't know that they were being persecuted and there was a high likelihood that the temple would be destroyed at some point. But like you said, I think the key there was, number one, ask them and see if they're going to be willing and obedient to follow. 
despite the odds. Okay, well, they did. Number two, get the keys of the priesthood restored um, so that we can continue doing this in the future. It's already been restored. We can pass these keys down. Um, we can pass these responsibilities to one another on earth again. And then, honestly, I think that a catastrophe like having your most prized thing uh, destroyed as a community, it's either going to cause you to break apart and fall apart and become nothing, or it's going to galvanize you. It's going to strengthen you and say, you know what, we have a common enemy or we have at least a common cause, right, that we can all find behind and, and be unified. And I think that repeats itself several times throughout history. You know, it happened again in Nauvoo. They built this beautiful temple. They put a lot more time and energy and, and money into it and all of that. Built this giant temple. Everything was going great. Uh, things started getting really sticky. Once again, they were basically barely able to finish it and do a bunch of ordinances as quickly as possible before it was captured and destroyed. Um, and then you look at other things. I mean, we're, our, our buildings aren't being targeted. Our temples are not being destroyed. But we are always facing collective challenges that are either going to cause us to divide and break apart, or they'll cause us to become galvanized as a people, united behind a single cause. And I think the Lord is always in that kind of, I'm going to ask you to do something to see if you'll follow. They could have thrown together a, a shack, right, and said, well, we don't have the time or the energy or the means to build a really fancy, nice temple like we'd like. But here's a shack we built you. You know, can you do this stuff here? Is this OK? Is this good enough? Um, and it probably, I don't know, maybe it would have been. But the Lord looked at it and said, I want you to give me your best. Don't do the bare minimum. Don't do the is this good enough type of situation. So, yeah, because I think it's if I were in those times, just like a commentator, like a spectator, <laughs> maybe a spectator watching this, we're talking about the Lord restoring his gospel at a time where in this country during that era of Joseph Smith and the revival and the spiritual revivals going on, it was. Believing in Christ was not uncommon. It kind of drew drove the entire country and communities, you know. Right. I, I think one of the things that's really interesting is, is asking us to sacrifice. And it's not a it's more of a demonstration to the Lord of our commitment. And I with any great change, I, I find that when you're committed, you're susceptible to change. When you're not committed, you will struggle against it. You will justify staying the same, and you will you will um, not be strong in your you know. And I think that's one of the things that is a prerequisite to great revelation and to drawing closer to the Savior. It's that commitment. And I look at our covenants, and that's kind of what they do for us. It's a very specific commitment. And then the Lord pours out blessings. And I view this as the the saints from from this all walks of life need to come together and commit to follow the Lord and commit to following him in his way, not in what everyone else around them is following the Lord like way, you know, because right. this it's been very socially entrenched in us. 
that we follow things while we agree with them, while they sing the tune that we like, while they're the tribe or the party or or the belief system that allows us to do the most little and have the highest amount of membership or protection or or um, justification, right? And so I think with the Lord in all walks of life, he's trying to say, commit yourself to me first, and then let me teach you how to change. Uh, and those changes are pretty severe. Yeah, I think it was interesting because we had general conference last week and um, it coincided with this lesson in some ways because President Nelson gave a talk called The Temple and Your Spiritual Foundation. And it, I, I almost saw it as he was he was the one taking it upon himself to teach us the Sunday school lesson. Um, as we talk about the dedication of the Kirtland Temple and the things that happen thereafter to to kind of fortify the people's understanding of the importance of the temple, he started talking to us about the renovations being done to the Salt Lake Temple and how, you know, they're they're doing things to make it last the test of time. And he even says at some point in the talk, you know, that uh, after it's completed, there will be no safer place than inside the Salt Lake Temple during an earthquake. Like it will be so the foundation will be so solid and secure this will be the safest place we can possibly be. But uh, the part that I wanted to quote from that talk, he says, we're sparing no effort to give this venerable temple, which has become increasingly vulnerable, a foundation that will withstand the forces of nature into the millennium. In like manner, it is now time that we each implement extraordinary measures, perhaps measures we have never taken before, to strengthen our personal spiritual foundations. Unprecedented times call for unprecedented measures. My dear brothers and sisters, these are the latter days. If you and I are to withstand the forthcoming perils and pressures, it is imperative that we have a firm spiritual foundation built upon the rock of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So I ask each of you, how firm is your foundation and what reinforcements to your testimony and understanding of the gospel are needed? That to me says a lot. Not only are we going to fortify this building so it'll be around for a long time, but then he turns it on us and he basically says, you know, what are you doing? To fortify yourself and talking about per forthcoming perils and pressures we look at it and we're like oh the world is so chaotic today oh it can't get much worse than this everything is you know topsy-turvy everything is so threatening our way of life and and with the the virus no one can live a normal life anymore and it's like there's still more coming folks and we have to be fortified with a firm spiritual foundation built upon the rock of our redeemer jesus christ as he puts it if you want to be able to withstand anything, if you want to be able to not, you know, fear the the future, that's the best way. It's Jesus, right? It's it's not that complicated. It's it's just following what the prophet says and following what Christ wants us to do. That's the solution. And then of course he says later, a little bit later on, um, everything we believe and every promise God has made to His covenant people come together in the temple. In every age, the temple has underscored the precious truth that those who make covenants with God and keep them are children of the covenant. That to me was, I mean, it's something that you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense that I've always known that. But at the same time to hear it saying, like the temple is the culmination of everything we're doing. It's where everything that we talk about, all the other ordinances, all the other, you know, word of wisdom and law of chastity and all of these other things kind of meet in one place. So if that's really 
the objective, if that's really the culmination of everything, number one, I feel like our temple attendance should be very, very important in our lives. Not only going, but learning as much as we can when we go. And that we should understand that that's why the church is emphasizing so much constructing temples is in as many places as possible, giving access to as many people as possible. Because it's like, all of this stuff is great, but it doesn't really meet, meet its true potential until we arrive at the temple. Yeah, I I had a different reaction when I heard the temple, the Salt Lake Temple was being renovated. Because I had known so much about the history of it uh, in how, in the granite, in, in the quartz monsoon that was used to build it, and how strong it was, you know, the, how giant these foundations were. It was more, I was kind of like shocked because I thought, this was supposed to last forever, you know? <laughs> um, and then as I, then it became for me almost like a parable or an example of revelation. At the time, with what the saints had and the technology available, it was the best thing they've ever done, you know? Uh, you know, and, and there's stories about, well, you know, they, they first started with limestone and then the army came and they covered it up and then the weight of the earth cracked the limestone and it was like a secret blessing in the sky that they realized, you know, that this was the wrong material and that all the work that went into blasting and cutting and, and, and getting all of the granite down and, and even to the point where if, if an oxen team would lose a chunk of granite, it was easier to leave it there then to try to pick it up again. And so there's places like in Midville and in other cities where there's just giant chunks of granite in people's backyard because <laughs> they're just there from the time of the temple, you know? But then you look at it now and it's, what the Lord is saying is you do the best you can with what you have. And when I tell you, you need to do more, you need to do more. Uh, and that's totally acceptable. I can, I can, I can imagine how some individuals might be disillusioned by the renovation of all of these temples, like we're losing something or there's something historical there. But what the Lord is saying is, I have more and your ability not to let go will keep you from receiving more. And oftentimes we look at, you know, Lot leaving Gomorrah and his wife, um, turning back and turning into a pillar of salt, right? And and we look at that example as you needed to, when the Lord tells you to leave, you need to leave and not look back. And I'm not saying that with these temples, we can't have fond memories, we can't respect. And trust me, the church is doing incredible amount of work to preserve and to commemorate and to, to catalog and to preserve the history, right. the, the church doesn't throw away the history and it is sacred and important, but the Lord is saying there's more changes. And just like that, the prophet announced that there's even more changes coming to the actual ceremonies. And he says from the beginning, he quoted, I think Joseph Smith, you know, and saying, how do we get this to all the members or, or something like that? You know, it was, uh, yeah, he was talking to, Brigham Young, after he gave Brigham Young the, the endowment in May of 1842, he said, this is not arranged right, but we have done the best we could under the circumstances in which we are placed. And I wish you to take this matter in hand and organize and systematize all these ceremonies. Basically saying, hey, this is not a finished product. 
you know, we got to get this, we got to smooth this out. And I need you to kind of be the one that does this. And he did. Um, and we have continued to do that. We've seen even just in the last few years how they've said, okay, yeah, we don't need to do this or we don't need to do that. Or let's simplify this portion and we'll speed this up a little bit. And, you know, it it's a, it's a principle of the ongoing restoration. And that's something else that he says in here. Um, he says, he gives the example of the sacrament, how we used to give the sacrament all in one vessel that everyone would drink out of. I mean, we're talking like way back. And now we don't do that. We use disposable cups now because of hygiene reasons and also because of ease of distribution. But he says, ponder these three truths. Number one, the restoration is a process, not an event, and will continue until the Lord comes again. Meaning it's not done now, nor will it be until the Lord comes back. So just be prepared for continual change. And then two, the ultimate objective of the gathering of Israel is to bring the blessings of the temple to God's faithful children. That's the ultimate objective of the gathering of Israel. It's not just so that we can all be back together again. It's so that we can all have the blessings of the temple. And then lastly, number three, as we seek to accomplish that objective more effectively, the Lord reveals more insights. The ongoing restoration needs ongoing revelation. So be open and be understanding that these changes aren't just out of convenience. These changes are not just out of, well, we don't like doing that this way. But it's it's revelation. It's the Lord saying, we need to get pe- more people, more opportunities to serve in the temple, more opportunities to get ordinances done, for especially for those that have passed on already. How can we streamline this? How can we make it more efficient? You look at the live sessions that happened in the Salt Lake Temple and in Manti, and how they're kind of going to not be doing that anymore. And how I that. Think... Oh, go ahead. Well, it's just affected people in a lot of ways because they're used to having that, the live session rather than a video. And. I think uh, a lot of people are, are very disappointed in that, but it's like, how do we best serve the largest number of people in the best way possible? And it's not, and sometimes we, we should be very careful about the traditions, separating the traditions and cultural aspect of church and things that have grown and the pure doctrine of the religion, right. because this has been a journey that we've been on forever. Um, you know, it's happened with testimony meetings. We went several years and even still to this day where we're told testimony meeting isn't a travel log. It's not this. Just bear a simple testimony. That's what's needed. You don't need to complete. I've even heard it about prayers. Like when you pray uh, to opening a meeting, you know, it's a prayer for that meeting. It's not a talk, you mm-hmm. know. Um, we've heard this about baptisms, you know, baptisms, the main event should be the ordinance, the baptism, not the musical numbers or the or the storytelling or the gift giving or, or all of these other things that when we invite people to these events and the, the individual, they should feel that the main event is the actual ordinance. And so a lot of it can grow out of just happiness people feel and wanting to share but we're always reminded that the the ordinance doesn't change and that is always the main event and so for us you know even the new uh leading in the lord's way program 
that the teachers in Sunday school and, and all all of the teachers at a church have had to go through where it says you need to have an outline. You need to solicit from the class. It's not just a lecture from you as a BYU professor, just to lecture <laughs> for 30 minutes or an hour about a topic. It's seek out the revelation and and don't discourage any comment, you know, that, you know, and, and that's what one of the things that that I really appreciate is the Lord always driving things for simplicity and simplicity doesn't mean it's not important. It's not of great value and it's not uh, powerful, you know, for us. Um, we often think that, um, especially nowadays, we continuously um, overcomplicate many, many things, you know, in uh, our prophet, the greatest talk advice he could give us at this time was just how physically the temple is being strengthened something that was strong that is strong that that building is strong and super heavy you know <laughs> um just that as what we believe is super strong needs to be looked at investigated and made stronger if you put yourself in that situation, you feel strong, you feel like you're capable, you need to investigate and, and get stronger, you know, um, where there were parts of me in conference where I thought, OK, here we go. He's going to he's going to, you know, I just every now and then I like that, you know, pounding the pulpit and, and, and <laughs> telling us what's what. And there's only been a few times I've seen talks like that. But for the most part, I'm like, hmm, that sounds simple. What he's saying very simple but it's not easy and it's not um well it, it just reminds me of the book of mormon because of the simpleness of the way many didn't look when they're describing you know the fiery serpents and, and nephi is talking about the hardness of the hearts of the israelites you know that the lord tested them and because of the easiness of the way many didn't look and perished and and I think that is going to be the biggest shock in these last days is that Satan crept in slowly. And then when the test came, we found ourselves on the other side of the fence. You know, we found ourselves arguing with the prophet, feeling he's out of touch, you know, and we find all these feelings how, you know, I, I would love in that time, you know, for, you know, we, we accept the story, we accept the parable or whatever it is, you know, these fire serpents that bite people. The Lord provided the the brass serpent on a stick with Moses. You just have to look. And I can just, if this was today, I could see the post about it. It's like, well, do you know venom is actually travels at this speed? And <laughs> and, and somebody else is like, oh, well, did you know it actually corrodes your nervous system? And uh, the, these are flying asps. And the asp venom. And, and did you know that? And we like to pair a lot of stuff that the world tells us. And the Lord is just saying, I just want you to look. You know, I just want you to read your scriptures every day. I just want you to pray, not because that's the end. And we look at that as, oh, well, then I'll just be a very simple faith person. That's right. not the end. There's so much knowledge the Lord continues and wants to. He wants to make you a venom expert, but you'll never be one when you already think you know more than the greatest expert of all time. You know, and that's kind of how we have to. Um, Look at some of these things, you know, uh, do you want to know 
how how to guide your family, how to be successful. It, and, and the men that the Lord has put in these positions have ones who have gone through that process, you know, and and they can speak from experience and they all attribute their success and happiness to following the Lord. You know, not to the school they went to, not to the jobs they've held, not the, to the callings they've had, but to building a relationship with them. And that's what they try to distill and, and, and preach to us. Every conference is just follow the Lord. And in whatever situation you are, he will take you and increase. It's interesting, though, because he, he does say, like, it is now time that we each implement extraordinary measures, perhaps measure we, measures we've never taken before to strengthen our own personal spiritual foundations. And the word there that's key to me is extraordinary. It doesn't say extreme measures. Right. This is extraordinary measures. And what that means to me is what are what what are areas you could improve? What are things that you know you could be doing better that you just like, ah, just haven't gotten around to it or I haven't had the time or maybe I, even I don't know how, you know, maybe maybe seek out ways to to strengthen yourself. Maybe study a little bit more, maybe read a little bit more, maybe pray a little bit more or just ponder things of the gospel a little bit more. Like, what are things you can do that are out of your ordinary routine? Um, maybe something you've never done before that can help you strengthen your personal foundation. Kind of like we're doing with the temple. We're doing some extraordinary things there in order to strengthen it. Well, what are we doing to ourselves? A temple can't function as an empty building. It needs people in it. So what are we doing to be able to fill it ourselves? Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're spot on with that word extraordinary and not it being extreme. And extraordinary might be you read your scriptures once a week. Now you need to do it every day. Right. You know, extraordinary might be, you know, you it's just you don't participate in Sunday school because you're not an extrovert. You know, you're you're very shy. Extraordinary maybe is sharing something one time. You know, it's like on your mission. You know, I never imagined all the things we would do. You know, talk to people and like, and I would call that an extraordinary time because <laughs> yeah. that's like you're, you got one thing on your mind and it's to preach the gospel. And it's scary, but then once you take one leap of faith, you can take the second one and you can take the third one. And the person that you come home compared to the person that left, I would say that's extraordinary change. You didn't feel it, but people that I'd always love watching missionaries that leave on their farewell, and then when they come home, and you're like, wow, they're so different. They're so much better. I'm <laughs> such a better person now, you know, whatever. And then what happens with all of that growth? We tuck away our habits, and then in 10, 30, 40 years, we follow up with some of those individuals, and they've left the church. You know, everybody can recall their mission as like a great time, you know, and and they love that period of time. But unfortunately, a lot of individuals feel like that was the high watermark of their spiritual life. You know, I find it interesting that we have the testimony of several individuals who see the Savior, who witness the, the miracles and the manifestations that happen when the temple is dedicated. Um, you know, we have Eliza R. Snow who talks about the ceremonies of the dedication may be rehearsed, but no mortal language can describe the heavenly manifestations of that memorable building. 
Angels appeared to some, while a sense of divine presence was realized by all present. Each heart was filled with joy, inexplicable, inexplicable and full glory. Um, we have, this one was interesting, this Benjamin Brown, where he says, many visions were seen. One saw a pillar or a cloud rest down upon the house, bright as even the sun shines on a cloud like as gold. Two others saw two, three personages hovering in the room with bright keys in their hands and also a bright chain in their hands. Now you have several other accounts in the lesson, which these are individuals whom are real individuals, people, you know? <laughs> and this is their witness of what they saw. And I find that very powerful and very interesting. Yeah, I think it's, obviously not a super common experience to have something like that happen but i think it was more prevalent in kirtland because it was the first time this was happening again in the modern age it was also uh, an incredible strength and faith building experience for the people present to not only know that they were building the house of the lord but also to have that confirmed by the lord himself and uh, other heavenly beings were present to kind of commemorate that that event it's interesting because you know i don't know how long the kirtland temple was around when it was originally built i don't know how long it was till it was destroyed but it kind of fulfilled its initial purpose right to bring bring to pass more of the res of the restoration to the earth and even though they were chased away and it was destroyed it, it kind of fulfilled that initial purpose and um kind of set set the stage for the rest of the temples from then on out too. I I remember the the Ochre Mountain Temple dedication. And I remember these stories and we were living even closer to it than we live now. And I remember we were going to the actual dedication and I remember thinking in my head, well, these are moments where miracles happen. Well, I have an uh, a question in my heart that I'm going to take to this temple dedication. And when I was there, I received an answer, you know, and something I couldn't deny. And it became a very special thing that I think about a lot of times. It's one of those points of testimony. And it was the dedication of the Ochre Mountain Temple. And, it, and you know, to, to us, it all seems, um, these stories seem far away, but I've, I think we need to realize that we have these same blessings, you know, just as this temple dedication is the Kirtland temple. We have like 30 some odd temples being in construction at the moment, you know, um, and and these are times I think what the Lord, what this, what the saints, I think, witness is. You've done something difficult for me and you've sacrificed and then you get to feel how merciful the Lord is and aware, you know, of of what that is. And for me, I never built that temple. I, I remember we our stake used to take turns uh, doing security for some of the, the the construction tools and things that were left and and, you know, and, and, and helping install the lockers and weird things like that, you know. But but we in no way did whatever the saints had done here. You know, right? Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work, even preparing for the return of the Savior.
My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come, follow me.